There it is. There it is. Hello, Hello everybody. It's <laughs> Seth. Hey, Mike. Hey, bunch of guys. It's Kyle first. Damn it, Stafford. He yeah, is yo. in California. Good job, man. So what's up, Seth Theory? We're recording on Good Friday, so Seth Theory's home today, which is awesome. What's going on? Tell me, uh, tell me about your dating life. Um, my my day's good. Your day's good. Yeah. I did see him do a uh, a little shout out during church. Oh my goodness! Yes, there oh, there gosh. is a young woman <laughs> who has captured his affection, <laughs> who goes to our church, and Seth does. I think we've talked about it before. The blessing at the end of our eleven o'clock service, and in this instance, uh, he lost focus. Because the object of his attention was sitting in the second row. Uh oh. I did miss. There she is. There she is. And um, and so there were multiple call outs um, prior to getting on with the blessing. We had to focus. We had to focus Seth, which, yeah. you know, hey, that's hey. all right. So, Seth Thomas. Yes. What's the best part of being Seth? Seth. Be good. Does that be good? Yes. You are good. You are. You had a great week at school. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Do you feel like you snuggle with your dad enough? Uh, uh, yes. No. You say it's you never not. enough. It's never enough. There needs to be more snuggles. Mommy. Not right now. No, not mommy. Anna Timmons. Not Anna Timmons. <laughs> no. <laughs> Seth Thomas. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love. You love, well, it was so one of the one of the funniest <laughs> things. We were all on spring break uh, several weeks ago. We went to uh, place thirty A in Florida. It's on the Panhandle, and Is that the it's name like, of a town thirty A. I don't know. It's an. I think it's the name of a road. But um, uh, so so Hannah is a senior. She just turned eighteen yesterday, uh -oh. by the way, and um, she had three or she had four of her friends with her and uh no three of her friends and we had nate and seth whatever so one of her friends is um well we won't say her name but seth became um interested um in this one particular uh woman of had his friends and um so they went on a date and by date what? seth asked her on a date he tucked in the front part of his t-shirt yeah you did and then he brought her. What did you What did you bring her for for the date? You brought her like ketchup and like chicken or something from the refrigerator. Uh, chicken tenders. Oh yeah, chicken and then he, he went in to kiss her, uh, like literally right after right after he brought her food. <laughs> so we've got some work to do. Yeah, um, <laughs> gotta slow your roll. Gonna, <laughs> we're gonna go through. Seven seven on the lips. You're not kissing Stafford on the lips. Um, we're we're going to go through the audio version of I Kissed Kissing Goodbye, um, <laughs> which clearly... Look, oh, look, it's Hannah. Oh, yep, and it is Hannah. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Hannah we're gonna get everybody ate in here. fresh oh, off yeah. of her 18th birthday, ladies hey, and gentlemen. Are you recording? We, yes, we are recording, oh. and this is video too, so hey. Oh, what no. up? Oh, yeah, we're on YouTube, baby. Oh, what do you mean? Oh, you look fantastic. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. Yep. So we got the family together for Easter and Hannah's birthday, which is fantastic. Yeah. Nice. So so anyway, Tim, I always love your indulgence um, of Seth Erie stories that they oh, never 
Oh, it is it is the greatest. But his date in this spring break literally was a plate of like ketchup plus some like something to drink. And then he moved right in and we're like, bro, bro. <laughs> so anyway, welcome to Voxology, ladies and gentlemen. We are so glad that you would spend part of your day with us. Um, and we hear about all the crazy things that you're doing during the podcast, like exercising, mm. well done, yeah. um, falling asleep, which well is not surprising. Uh, we love that. People have said this is a very, very good way to um, fall, fall asleep if you're having trouble sleeping. Yeah. So It's a spiritual totally gift to help with people that. with their sleep deprivation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then if you're tuning into YouTube, I have this big old bandage on my... I mean, Tim said it wasn't noticeable. I didn't see it. Well, it's 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 a white bandage, which kind of blends very into the pasty. <laughs> it's camouflaged. But um, yeah, it's so I have this, I have this like one inch, maybe a little longer scar uh, on my cheek now. I rescued a puppy from a grizzly bear wow. in Nashville, Tennessee. And You're a I hero. got that scar. Yeah, or it was a skin cancer uh, that was removed. I don't know which. Um, but anyway, if that's if you're tuning in on the YouTubes, that's what's going on. And you can also see Tim's finger and Seth's finger yeah. as Tim's trying to figure out how to get his camera in focus. Now, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, it has been quite a week because we had several of the funerals of the adults and children um, uh, of the the Nashville school shooting. Um, Did you have them at Journey? No, no, no. But but we had people who are at Journey involved in those and very close to people who are directly affected by all this. So it was just another heavy week. And then, you know, if you're if you really want to see some nonsense, just go ahead and Google Tennessee politics and. Um, and there is just all sorts of craziness going on. I think we we kicked out a couple of members for demonstrating. He kicked out um, the two members of color and kept the white lady. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's great. So it, it's all great. What's the meme where like everything's on fire and there's this sort of weird looking animal saying it's fine? Yeah. Or there's the one where the girl's like taking a selfie in front of the neighborhood on fire. Yes, exactly right. So, um, so... Anyway, we thought we'd dive back into Revelation today. I have one email that uh, somebody wrote in I wanted to share um, about our church discipline episode, several episodes back. Um, she said, I appreciated your discussion of the importance of churches bringing in or referring out to mental health professionals rather than attempting to handle these kinds of issues entirely in-house with church leadership who often lack training on how to do that well. However, I wanted to point out an issue that I've personally seen in many churches that seems to be the opposite error. I have friends in multiple different church settings who are seeing the trend to pass off all of these kinds of issues to an outside counselor and then simply wash their hands of it mm. with no willingness to deal with it internally at all. I find this to be an equally damaging problem makes sense and i thought that was a great a great point so just shucking responsibility uh, and yes yeah yeah she gives she gives one example of uh, marriage issues she said i have seen firsthand on more than one occasion when a wife goes to church leadership begging for help and is told here is the number of a good marriage counselor we will pay for two sessions 
Um, and that's it. Um, now, getting a couple of counseling is a good thing in many circumstances, but this is not helpful when the issue is greater than that. Yeah. And I think that is such a great point that there are churches that think all you need is uh, somebody who knows a bit of Bible and a Bible, and we can solve everything. Um, and there are also people and communities who just refer out and don't and think that's where the responsibility of the church ends. So I think that's really, really great. Uh, that, I thought that was a very good point. So I wanted to uh, to read that. And then, um, and let's do, let's, Seth, I don't know if you can hear the heavy breathing um, off of my left ear, but that is, uh, that is my son, Seth, who is all making faces at Tim Stafford right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk, Tim, let's talk some revelation, unless, you, unless there's anything on your mind, bro. Anything you want to throw out there? No, there's a lot going on, but I don't think we need to play around with it okay all right i'm intrigued though well i mean it's just uh, you touched on a little bit but there's just a lot i sent you that thing with desantis and the family in florida and everything that's going on in tennessee and i am curious as people who and just how we get how we're supposed i'm just continually curious how we're supposed to interact with this stuff to be advocates of justice and what peacemaking looks like in that scenario and Oh yeah, because it just seems like the bad stuff is continually prevailing. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever fix gun issues in this country. We've been debating it with all my students lately, and it's you know doesn't seem positive. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Now Seth is chewing on my uh, left ear, so that's helpful. Yeah, <laughs> it's a highly, highly professional podcast, ladies and gentlemen. There's just a standard of excellence that we're always trying to achieve. <laughs> and we're um, nailing it. <laughs> yeah, we are nailing it today. Yeah, I mean, Tim, you're so right. How do we, how do we respond in a uh, political way, but not a partisan way? Yeah, a productive uh, Because obviously, way. We, yeah, we've talked about the kingdom is political, and the, one of the roles of the church is to embody the alternative um, to the politics of the world. Nope, Seth, put my phone down. Thank you. Now you can stay here if there's no nibbling on daddy's ear and there's no grabbing the phone. You got that? Here's the wonders of YouTube. Yes, Fox, I was in. And he's, and he's pushing my head out of the screen. <laughs> the Seth show. Oh my, go- oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I know. So, Let's jump in back into Revelation. Uh, the last time we did a Revelation episode, I don't know, it was several episodes ago, and we had um, parked something on the parking lot, um, if you will. All right, Seth Theory, I love you. Thanks for hanging out. Bye. Bye. Bye, Voxology. Bye, Voxology. <laughs> See you, buddy. Good work. Um, we place something in the parking lot, which is a term from my business friends. If you, you something comes up at a meeting and you want to park it, the place you park it is the parking lot. You come back to it. You circle around per my other email. <laughs> Just tie know. it all together. Yeah, I know. I know. Seriously. Hey, we're circling back around. Anyway, <laughs> um, and the, the issue had to do with something that Paul says 
in verse uh, Paul. Good Lord, I am so thrown off. John, um, nibbling, hello, Revelation. Nibbling on your ear didn't help with uh, your concentration. Well, <laughs> <laughs> John refers to something in John 1.1 about what must soon take place. And then in 1.3, we read about because the time is near, mm-hmm. um, there are time references all throughout the book of Revelation that we have to deal with. And so I want to deal with Revelation's view of time. This doesn't have to be a super long, um, detailed explanation, but it, it, it's confusing enough that I thought it warranted its own sort of conversation separate from the rest. Uh, so let me just go through, and there are several different time references. So Revelation 1, what must soon take place. 1, 3, because the time is near. Uh, 2, 16, otherwise I will soon come to you. 3.11, I am coming soon. 22.6, the things that must soon take place. 22.7, behold, I'm coming soon. 22.12, behold, I'm coming soon. 22.20, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I'm coming soon. All right. <laughs> so it's not like these are small, like buried references um, to soonness and nearness and closeness. This is something that's repeated, particularly in the last chapter, where we get this incredible vision of the new heavens and the new earth and this new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. And so because of the the soon language, there has been the tendency in the Christian community to to engage in something called calendarizing. (laughs) So calendarizing is when we take, we make the effort to turn John's visions into calendar predictions right. and, um, and, and seeing them as unfolding in the real world of history and time and all of those sorts of things, but, but not just occurring in the real world, but like there, there's, you can predict them. There's enough there that we can right. predict when they're going to you happen. You can literally put them on the calendar. Exactly. It's the search for dates and times. And, and, and the history of the study of Revelation is littered with dozens of failed calendar predictions. Um, and, and that could be anywhere from who the Antichrist is to where the Battle of Armageddon will take place to um, when Jesus will return. I mean, one of the first, one of the first books I ever read was uh, about this. It was called The Late Great Planet Earth, and it was the idea that Jesus would come back in the 80s because it was a generation after Israel became a nation. And it was a great decade, too, so we might as well have gone on that one. maybe he did. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe he did. Everything went downhill after that. I'm just saying, Tim, the more the world goes on, I mean, it's not... I'm not lying when I say the 80s were pinnacle. Yeah, there was only we'll three Star back. Wars movies at that point. For that. <laughs> For, and then secondly, the music, the right? Music. The music. Come on, man. We're still, we're still, there was roller skating if you wanted to have fun. <laughs> no one had phones. You had a cord on your phone. And we had a rotor. Like, it was like the diet, like the thing. Yep. No internet, so we didn't know what everyone else was doing right. and had for lunch. And uh, <laughs> what we went did we outside do? and played. <laughs> How did you we make any decisions like, about what to eat? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you couldn't DoorDash, you just opened the fridge. Um, 
And and we sound like the two old Muppet guys, you know, shouting, get off our lawn. <laughs> oh, we talk oh, like this. Oh. I know. I love, I love those. those guys. Love those guys. <laughs> so they would mock calendarizing, rightly so. <laughs> um, and, and calendarizing doesn't mean, like our revolt against it, doesn't mean that John's events could or will happen in history. It's just that they were, that they were in any way meant for us to figure them out. Right. Ahead of time. That wasn't the point. That was not the point. So we have to reckon with all the soon language. Um, and, and, I, and so I, I want to make t- just two points. One point is the calendarizing approach is <laughs> it. there are two very negative things that it does. Um, and then I, I want to propose another way to understand the soon coming soon language um, of Revelation and the New Testament, because it's not just, I mean, we get we get references in Romans about the time being short and Thessalonians and so on and so on and so on. So the first big point is calendarizing is not only dumb, it's harmful, and it's not <laughs> biblical. All right? So, I mean, Jesus himself blatantly says this. I don't, I just don't understand. Right. Maybe it's because there's so much money in it, but I don't understand how you get around when Jesus says in Acts 1, it is not for you to know the times and dates right. the Father has set by his own authority. I yeah. mean, they're blatantly asking him, when will you restore the kingdom to Israel? Yeah. Which was, you know, which is such a genius question in light of all that he did. They still hadn't met their expectations. Right. <laughs> and and he says, it's not for you to know. But the Spirit will come upon you, and then you will witness to the reality of, of me to the ends of the earth. And then Jesus tells all these parables. No one knows the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, but only the Father. Another Therefore, keep watch, because you do not, do not know on what day the Lord will come. Same chapter. So you must be ready, because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. But you should really Next take chapter. with, like, absol- like, he was, you know, he would answer some questions with questions or proverbs or metaphors. But yep. this one he's awfully clear on. Well, it seems that way. I mean, I mean he he's tells, just saying like, it straightforward. You don't, you're not going to know. That's right. The At angels the don't Matthew, even know. Yes. At the end of Matthew, we tell several parables, and all of them have this refrain, keep watch because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. Mm. You must be ready because the Son of Man will come an hour you don't expect him. Therefore, keep watch because you don't know the day or the hour. So there are two things being said there. Number one, because you don't know the day or the hour, calendarizing is futile. But secondly, calendarizing undermines the very eschatological stance the people of God are called to embody, which is perpetual readiness and expectancy. And all the parables that Jesus tells at the end of Matthew, the parable of virgins, parable of talents, they all assume a delay and then a surprise when the master returns. And the surprise, of course, implies that no one will know. Yeah. Um, so you are to live as somebody who's always ready. So number one, I think calendarizing goes blatantly against the counsel of Jesus that these things are unknowable. Um, and then number two, it undermines the readiness that that the people of God are to embody perpetually. Um, and and I mean and, and the the you just read the parables at the end of Matthew twenty five in its constant urgency, constant expectation, and perpetual readiness. And the rest in the New Testament, 
uh, we get the idea that the time is short. We get that Romans, 1 Corinthians, Hebrews, James, 1 Peter. The end will be a surprise, 1 Thessalonians and 2 Peter. Right? All of this presents a, a picture that no one's going to know. And therefore, the stance isn't like, it's not the old rapture stance where, hey guys, you don't want to be caught sinning when the rapture happens, so just be on guard, you know? So, because yeah. you could be called up. I mean, do you want do you want Jesus to rapture you when you're doing that? That's not, that's no, not my what luck. Jesus is, that's not, exactly. That's not, Jesus isn't calling us into kind of fearful anticipation. What he's calling us in is to participation in the kingdom work. That, that the end has already begun. And, um, and because of that, because there is fulfillment coming, our labor is not in vain. So do you think it's so, like just human laziness that takes anticipation and readiness as a way of like, well, the best way to be ready is to know when it's coming. And oh, so we sure. try through that kind of like just instead of doing the work, we're like, well, hey, readiness and anticipation. I'm anticipating and I'm ready. I need to know when I should be ready. I should be ready on... In 1988. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, calendarizing represents all the things we want the Bible to do, but it refuses to. Yeah, this is why I don't do schedules. I'm going to tell my wife yeah. that this is biblical. It is, dude. Calendars are evil. That's right. Except there were festivals and the sun and moon were given. And, you know, those things, there are schedules in the Bible. They're just, they're never according to our design. So you have to be on a schedule, Tim. Uh, you can't get out of it. Um, so, I mean, and there's so much more to say, but we just, when it comes to, hey guys, we are living in the end times. Hey guys. Hey guys, hit like and subscribe. <laughs> hit that subscribe Welcome button. Welcome to my Armageddon YouTube channel. Right, I mean, there's always gonna be a market for that. We just love conspiracy theories especially when when God gets you know involved in them and and we're always the ones who will be shown to be right we're never the ones who will be shown to be wrong so the whole approach to revelation as a predictive text um, is is absolutely um, what would I say against the the grain of the text um, it, it's it is it has been the cause of a lot of harm and calendarizing, the, the way calendarizing has been employed um, in certain circles has been to keep us perpetually afraid. Yeah. Um, and a again, great motivator. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember we would sit in seminary and talk about how I hope Jesus doesn't come back until I'm, after I'm married. <laughs> right. and, and you're like, what, a, what, what an idiot view. That's how we, we really all built had. our calendars. <laughs> Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly right. Exactly right. So, if you'll grant that time is short, isn't a calendar claim or an excuse to start calendarizing? Because what's interesting is the time is near. That refrain is echoed throughout the entire New Testament. So, the earliest documents we think were written in the 50s, the latest were written in the 90s, and all of them were saying the time is short, the time is short, the time is short, the, the time is near. Yeah. So it's not like they didn't know. And even in, in at the end of First Peter, Peter has to address like, hey, well, where where is he? Like, where is he? Right. And Peter's like, like, that's not the kind of time we're talking about. So 
I want to introduce a, um, I don't know how difficult it is. It took me a while to get my mind around it. But in, in Revelation and in apocalyptic literature and in several other places in the Bible, um, time isn't me- a measurement of a, um, a uh, temporal distance. Time is spoken of as a kind of time. So, so like you have chronos, the Greek word that just means time. It's our stopwatch time. It's the clock time. But you have a word called kairos, which is unique time, opportune time, special time, imminent time. And so a lot of the, the time references in Revelation have to do with that kind of time rather than calendar time. Right. And for instance, um, it's not coincidence that both Daniel and uh, Revelation use three and a half to symbolize tribulation kind of time, because the number seven is whole time. Uh, 1,000, the 1,000 years, it isn't, that's not a literal number. In apocalypses, the numbers are all symbolic. So 1,000 years is after a long kind of time. Mm. Um, it's not, it's symbolic time. Right. So the time is near is one of the ways the Bible says the beginning of the end has started right here in our midst. Yeah. So biblically, we've been living in the end times since Jesus ascended to the father. Right. And, and this wasn't, this wasn't super clear. And so the new Testament writers I mean, particularly Paul. Paul has all sorts of ways he talks about time. He talks about this age and the age to come. He's not meaning calendar kinds of time. He's meaning the, he not. He's meaning the kind of time one age of which is dominated by sin and death and the powers, and the other age of which is dominated by the Holy Spirit and resurrection. And so, those are kinds of time. So when we read about the time is at hand or the time is close or I am coming soon, the way those references are to be uh, understood is that they speak of the imminence of what God is doing. We are in the soon kind of time now. Does that make sense? Yep. It is a unique, it is, it is, it is, there is an urgency and eminence to the work of God in renewing the world that has started now and been going on for 2,000 years. So the 2,000 years we've experienced since the time of Christ is the soon kind of time. Yeah. So John could say, it's, it's coming soon. We can say, it's coming soon. Because soonness isn't a descriptor of how many years it's going to be. Soonness is a descriptor of the kind of time that it is. So when things happen for seven years or seven days, we want to turn the seven days of Genesis into, oh, well, they're 24-hour periods. And there are arguments back and forth about whether they are or whether they're not. But one of the things that I think is misunderstood there is the the seven number tells us it's also a kind of time. Because of that Um, specific number. Yeah, it's less about how many days have gone by and more about what those days are representing and the Mm -hmm. the time that is being expressed. Does that make sense? Yeah. And this is the way prophecy time, 
Um, and, um, as you know, uh, apocalyptic time works. This isn't just in the book of revelation. This is other places in Daniel or whatever. Let me take a sip of water. So one of the things <coughs> that the, the, the soonness of the time is cause for in the church's response to it is to begin to look around and see the beginnings of what God has already done. It's, a, it's the beginning of a new cause of urgency. Um, because the soon time is upon us, now we stand in expectancy. And now we stand in, you know, faithful readiness. It's not because soon means in the next four days or whatever. It means the soon time has begun. You know what I mean? So, And that's often what people mean when they say the end times. But then they'll point to calendar events and say, well, now we know it's the end times. Well, I'm For sure once somebody kind of built that model, then it was so easy to build up that foundation and just continue to grow a theology that is based on like, right. just these exactly. Points. Yes. If you take these words as calendarizing words... Then, then you begin to focus on what's going to happen then. Right. The soon time understanding focuses on what you're doing now. So and that's the yeah. I and this ahead. is great because this goes with the now and not yet. Right. This is the exactly. So the ability and I was thinking about what while you were just talking, I was thinking about that in regards to what we were saying about justice and peacemaking stuff because often the response from Christians is more of a not yet. So it's like, hey, this sucks, um, but but Jesus is coming, you know, yeah. or yep. Lord comes soon or whatever. But that's where it ends, and so it's just a not yet response to everything. That's right. But then, if you have the now and not yet, it shows where you, like the not yet is a part of the conversation, but the now is also part of it, and we have to be. There's a there's a. What yeah. is the word? There's a prompting or a or an expectation yep. in the now that's, that's right. not that's just right. in the not yet. Yeah, because the not yet time has started now. Right. Right. But so if we only so think of it as say, like future not yet and not as that's right. in tandem with the now, or this no. like overlap, like tectonic plates or Exactly. Yeah, but even that's, that's a linear <laughs> example. Exactly that and that's yes, that you're beautiful, Tim. You're illustrating the point exactly. So time, time is different, functions differently than Americans understand it. Yeah. And if you've ever been overseas, you know, to Mediterranean countries or whatever, like, you know, time is different. It's just, they're just kinds of time. They're not exact schedules. So it's not shocking that the Western church would want to turn this into um, calendarizing, right? It's not bad that we understand. Totally, totally, totally. But the now and not yet claim is that the time of not yetness has started in the now. That that right. the future age, which is a kind of time, not a duration of time, but the the future age has now erupted in the middle of the present age, and therefore we live now according to the future age, even though it's not fully manifest. Starting at that resurrection. Yes. Yeah. That that the 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 death, burial, resurrection, and ascension—that package of events—the theological meaning of them is is twofold. It's the it's the condemnation 
and final judgment of this present age and the inauguration of the new age. The issue is that everyone thought, uh, not everyone, the primary Jewish expectation was that there would be a climactic day that would end the old age and begin the new. And that was called the day of the Lord. And that the unmistakable signs of the new age would be things like the pouring out of the Holy Spirit and the resurrection of the dead. No one thought one guy resurrected with whatever Matthew's describing and other people resurrecting and then dying again, and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, not just upon Jesus, but upon his church, that those were the unmistakable signs of the future age. But they were happening while Rome was still in power. And while sin and death were still at work in the world. And so the fallout, this totally changed the, the way I read the rest of the New Testament. The fallout is the New Testament writers reckoning with how to live the life of the future in the present age in the midst of sin and death and evil and injustice. So that's a lens now that you use when you kind of approach Yes, and I would argue it's the lens that they used. Right. Um, uh, Paul, in particular, uh, but but Peter and John, in different ways, they use different language. But but Paul, in particular, is spends a lot of time working on, um, and he uses all sorts of different words, you know, to describe the new age. Right. He'll sometimes he'll call it spirit versus flesh. Life versus death, um, uh, man. Uh, this present age, the age to come, and those aren't t- those aren't like temporal periods, right. although they are temporal periods. But they don't they're not important temporally. They're important because of what they mean. So will you so, say that again? You you it's changed the way that you approach the New Testament, and that the writers are reckoning with that like. Yes, that miss that um, unfulfilled expectation that had existed about right. a climactic punctuation to the end of that sentence. Of yes, that time to the period. end of the present age. They're yes. reacting to that and and trying to rectify the theology that of disappointment and yep. expectation and kind of trying to usher in what this idea, this non temporal idea, looks like. Right on a on a scale that pe- we can understand and work with. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. So so Paul will say things like, "You are united with Christ. You have resur- you've been resurrected with Christ. You've died with Christ. All of these time words, right? And therefore, do not let anger dominate your community. Mm-hmm. Take a collection for the poor." Right, I mean, so so he's tying ethics into the new identity that is true in the heavenly realms. Remember, Gombus was talking about this um, weeks ago when we were talking about how the heavenly realm and the earthly realm can also be stand-ins for future age and present age. So when we joined right. Jesus in the heavenly realm, right, the things that are true of us in the future have been brought forward now, but the rest of the age is still real and happening in the heavenly realm, but it's not manifested yet fully on earth. So we are now acting upon the 
elements in the ways of then. Yes. So, so for instance, again, let's, let's use marriage as an example. Married time is different than single time, right? Like I was single for 29 years, I think, which is shocking, quite honestly. <laughs> um, and I became married and it was weird. It was like, so somebody just says you're yeah. married and that's it. Then you walk out and you're like, oh, hey. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, who is this person now? You know, <laughs> and, and, and all the things. And so the, the way of living that dominated single time has to die. And in its place, married kind of time living and thinking has to, you know, be put on according to Paul. And it's possible to be married and yet live according to single time rather than married time, right? Totally. Um, and it's also possible to be dating or to be single and yet live according to married time, you know, faithfulness, like non, like selflessness, like to date in a way that would totally map onto how you would relate to someone right. during married time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, so we live in the reality that we're married to this Jesus, like there's some union there that is real right now. And it exists in the heavenly realm and it also exists here, but it's not fully manifest here yet. And so my job is to manifest the future time now when the manifestation of that time is um impeded by world flesh devil yeah. you know so it shows that it shows the active intent that is required on our part because they're That's in right. that overlap period so we've talked about like using having a kid or marriage as like when you walk into the delivery room your mic and you walk yep. out, you're a father, but in your yes. but nothing has changed like within you. Just the title right. has changed, and there's yes. an acclamation process that you have to learn right. and choose into and be active with. Whereas, yeah, or you could just remain as Mike, who's not a father, but with a child, which we can right. see plenty of examples from in society. Exactly, and not live into the expectation of what it means to be that father. So there is a lot of like, there's totally. work and intent and discernment and yeah, um, all that kind of like plays into what it means in that overlap period. I don't know why my camera That's, can't figure life out. I don't know. I think you look great. Um, it's a better look anyway. <laughs> a little fuzzy. Um. Oh, you are fuzzy. There's no question about that. And, and that's why we talk about, so, and, and this is where Paul grounds his ethics. Paul isn't, Paul, this is where we misunderstand, at least for me. And again, I'm no expert on this, but I've misunderstood Paul as, hey guys, um, stop doing this, right. start doing this. Yeah, he's like the parent that's just like, you, you dum-dums, like clean up yes, your mess. Ex exactly. <laughs> Don't hit your sister. And what Paul does with his ethics is he grounds them in this intermediate state that we're in. So yeah. he'll say things like, remember your baptism mm. uh, or uh, consider that you are um, a son or daughter. 
of God. Consider your new identity. Consider the identity of the church. Like he grounds all of this in eschatology, right? The the fact that the the futureness of the world is broken out now, and that's ultimately what the resurrection was. Yeah. And so the reckoning that the New Testament writers had to do is okay. So now what? Because it's not just wait and see, right. as you say, right. and it's also not, hey, it's all up to us to build it ourselves now. Yeah. And so, you know, Christianity, shockingly, there are those who are um, who see an overrealized kingdom. Oh man. Meaning, there's nothing out there for Jesus to do. It's just up to us now as Jesus's people. Yeah. And then my tribe goes on the opposite side of that and says, no, 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 there's nothing for us to do. It's all Jesus is going to come and clean it up. And neither of those, I think, represent kind of the posture of the New Testament, which yeah. is the I'm working uh, to be faithful towards the future state that is coming. Yeah. And it's, so it's like, like chess. Um, chess is a future state game. Meaning your goal is to get the opponent in checkmate. And every move that helps that is a good move. And every move that doesn't is a bad move. Well, the future state of the world is called the kingdom of God, uh, where God reigns as king over participants and image bearers. And to the degree we embody and partner and participate in that now, those are good moves that represent what's coming and help usher it in to some degree. Yeah. Um, and to the extent that we don't, right, and we're still just participating in old creation dynamics, the extent that, that all of that labor and practice and behavior is dying and fading away. Yeah. You know? So, so it's, uh, for me anyway, it was a much more profound realization of why I'm invited to live the way that I'm invited. No, to live. I think it makes a lot of sense. And it's help. It's very, uh, you know, it's congruent with everything else that we've gone through, whether it was the, um, the series on Ephesians, the image series, or was that the image series? And then just the different series yeah. that we've done, there's a, there's a congruent thread of what it looks yeah. like to be in the now and the not yet with the clear understanding and expectation of what is coming with the partnering in the expectation. That's right. So that's why when that's we're right. doing this series, and I've said this a couple of times, but the that line from Hamilton, like the which is like, I you want a revolution, I want a revelation. I want a revelation. It's the best. And she's probably the best in that whole thing. But the the idea of that plays out, it rings out through all of this. Like even just with yeah. everything that's happening in Tennessee or in Florida or these different things where it's like you want a revolution, I want a revelation. And a revelation in that regard kind of speaks to, like, I want I want knowledge and I want wisdom and I want to see things clearly and I want change and I want these things yeah. other than this brute force approach to things where we can yeah. mandate uh, morality or whatever. And you see that as, yeah. like, if you're living in an understanding that things are only going to happen someday and you don't want to work at the things that you're being asked to work on, you're going to, you're going to move in with force. And when you see that, we don't want to say mm -hmm. that Christians do that, but we see that throughout all of history with other people. Well, we see oh, it with course. Christians through all of history, obviously, but yeah. Um, yeah. The, the reckoning with cultural power and physical yeah. power is like the number one issue 
that Paul was trying to deal with. Yeah. And so you look at that, you're like, I don't want a revolution. I want revelation out of this with how we live amongst each other, how mm-hmm. we advocate for a kingdom that is here, but is coming all that kind That's of right. stuff. I don't know. I think it's, That's right. it's very compelling. It's a very compelling narrative. And it's such a cool, like the fact that God, there does seem to be such a great theme of God really being interested in humanity and uh, just how the delegation has worked, how the mm. expectation of us partnering in and that we that we get to participate in mm. in what this grand design is, is pretty cool. Rather than yeah. just this idea of sitting and waiting and trying to, to yeah. put on the calendar so that you can be like, did you pack your bags? Because it's tomorrow. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. instead exactly. it's like, hey, we get to be a part of this thing, which is really cool. We get to be a part. It doesn't rest entirely on us. Correct. Yeah. But there's a lot that we're to do. Yeah. Which makes the, sense in the overlap, right? Like totally, we're exactly. not we're not 100% responsible, but that we are a participant in it in this that's thing. Right. That's right. And that's why some of what we do why why the writers of the New Testament can say some of what we do survives into the new age. Mm. If it's aligned with the new age and congruent with the new age, then it passes through that's interesting that's a can of worms oh it's a wonderful and and the new testament just hints at it yeah totally just just to bug you a little bit can i ask you a question of course how does so you mentioned paul referencing baptism remember your baptism how do you how do you how do you view baptism in light of this conversation Oh, like what role does it play? What is the importance of it? Why do we do it? Why do we baptize our kids? Um, Because I think it has become a very stale, um, yeah, like not nostalgia thing, but like a yeah. What do you? What's the word I'm looking for? Not nostalgia, but we do it out of traditional tradition. Yeah, tradition, routine. Like yeah. So what? What is baptism to you in the framework of what we just went through? Oh, I love that. First, um, God is a God of embodiment. Um, So abstract, spirituality isn't ever abstracted from real human life in all of the humanness. Um, And so it's not at all surprising that that important moments or truths are commemorated through physical acts um, or physical senses, um, right? I mean, rainbow, circumcision, the feast calendar, all of those, you know, living outside in booths to remember what it was like in the wilderness. I mean, all of that is embodied theology, which is absolutely beautiful. So the, the first, the, so baptism sits in a very long line of embodied acts that commemorate, celebrate, remind us of um, what it is that God is doing in the world and what it means to be a part of his people. So it's more than symbolic, I would argue. It's like the, it's an imbo- it's a way of embodying physically something that can just be held conceptually, you know, kind of far away. Um, and, and baptism is this ob- obvious, ritual that that pertains to the overlap of the ages hmm. where i am now joined in jesus's past uh 
death, burial, and resurrection, and united to him in his future reign and rule so that I live now, you know, according to what's happened in Jesus's past and what will happen in the world's future, right? So, so I am embodying kind of the intersection of the ages in this sort of unique way. I think baptism has, it was originally and still is, be, as it expanded beyond Jewish circles, I think it's a very political act. Hmm. Um, I think it's a declaration of allegiance. Um, and uh, the weight that it bears in the New Testament is far larger than the weight it bears, uh, particularly in the early church. I mean, we have, we have records in the second century of, of, of people who would be trained a year or two before they would be baptized. Right. You know, they had this catechesis that they would have to go through. Um, and so they would be baptized every year on Easter Sunday, not every year, but like every year on Easter Sunday, the new, you know, congregants would be and baptized. How long was that process? You say two years? Uh, there seems to be evidence that it was between one and two years. That's interesting. Right. And like the Didache, which is, if you've never read this, it's really cool. It's, it's like, it's dated around 100 AD. And it's an it's an early church training manual for discipleship, and it's super super interesting. There are English translations all around. Didache? It looks like did yeah Didache. It looks like Diace. Is that that's how it looks like? But the Didache, I mean, it has I mean, it has the Lord's Prayer, but it has like uh, it's a it's literally a discipleship manual, huh. and it's and it, yeah, it's super interesting. I mean, I would highly recommend it if you've never never read it because you see um in the in the very earliest um testimonies there were rules about how you would welcome other speakers or how you would not welcome false teachers and um it was just it's just really really interesting and and there were lots of things like that the dead sea scrolls community the qumran community had man they had pages or not pages but papyri full of you know rules governing um communal life it's so interesting because we know there's the baptism the the understanding of baptism is very broad so there's or the understanding and the practice thereof you know we've got friends who are like you know i think they were lutheran and they were like if you don't do the infant baptism like aren't you worried that your kid's going straight to hell and it's like whoa right 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 let's have a conversation about that before you just damn my infant yeah. to yeah. hell yeah. all the way to the other end of the spectrum of like, oh, it's just symbolic. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. And so yeah. that that's a pretty wide chasm between totally. those two things and people fall. Or or you've got to or you've got to be baptized with these words. Right. And this many times and fully immersed. I mean like we have Oh yeah, if your nose again, doesn't like it, doesn't make it under the water, your nose ain't going to totally. heaven or <laughs> Well, and it's it's what we've done with communion too. Totally. Right? No, it's the real body. No, it's not the real body. No, I know. It's just symbolic. I think all that stuff's really interesting because um, the baptism stuff too. You know, there's obviously I've been a part of churches of older denominational viewpoints, and they, you know, like you, if someone's not there who's ordained or baptized, like no one can do communion. Like no one can even right. lead or offer communion. And so there's just so many different things that we've built around it. That it's yeah. interesting to look at it through the lens of like, what does Paul 
advocating for when he says, remember your baptism? Is it to say, yes. hey, remember you were a baby and you're you're not going to go to hell because of that? Or is it, no. you know what I mean? Like, so there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it'd yeah. be fun. Maybe someday we should do a discipline series and go through baptism and communion and prayer and, you know. That'd be fun. Yeah. That'd be fun. Things that we've kind of lost sight of over the years or have changed yeah. or manipulated or. Yeah, there, there, there are great parts of, of being a part of our kind of non-denominational, you know, tradition. But there are some other parts we've really lost. And right. one of those is a more sacramental kind of imagination um, about what it is we're doing when we're taking communion. Because there's brilliant. another place where Paul says, you are presently proclaiming his path, past death until he comes in the future. <laughs> Just to tie, tie it all together. The, yeah. um, or or Paul, Paul's verbs when it comes to salvation. I mean, he'll say, you have been saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. Totally. Like, time just works differently. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I, I'm somebody who's obviously very skeptical about things that are done just for tradition, but without understanding of why they're done. Yeah. And so I don't like to partake in liturgies if I don't understand who wrote them and why and what what I'm what it is that I'm proclaiming or or partnering in when I do it. And I feel the same way about things like baptism or how to pray or whatever because I I, mm. I I just want I'm not against this idea of lineage. I love it. Mm. I love that we're tied into this long story and yeah. I think it's beautiful. But I want to. I don't want to do it for the sake of doing it. I'd like to do it with an understanding of why it was implemented in the first place. Why should I baptize yeah. my kids, and what should they understand about it? Why should yeah. I take communion? And, and am I eating real flesh, or am I? You know what I mean? Like, what's the point? What yeah. did Jesus want at that Last Supper when he was yeah. advocating yeah. for this? I think they're all really yeah. profound things, but we've kind of lost the lost the plot on a lot of it. That's right. Yeah, because we we've. We've disembodied our theology. Disembodied our theology. Right? Yeah. At least for, for me, my theology is all in my head. Told, yeah, that's good. And so, so in, in to some, if that's true, then what happened is, what's happened is we've de- been dehumanized in the name Ooh. of following the human Jesus. That's interesting. All right. My, I'm recording... A podcast, daughter. I was peacefully taking the AirPods. You're not taking my AirPods, <gasps> my love. I will get... No, you can have those. I can't listen. It's real life. I'm sorry, dear listener. You have to hear this. You have to hear this. There is a war that rages in the Erie household about phone chargers and AirPods. I think it's in every house. Yeah, and... You know, I know Jesus says, give to those who are less fortunate, but not now. She's 18. <laughs> Maybe yesterday, yes. Fortune and glory. But she's 18 now. She can do it. She can do it. Um, all right. Anyway, Timbo. 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 We'll run with that. Rambo. Timbo. I do kind of have that. Yep. Yep. Aura. Have that vibe. The physique. Totally have physique. All right. I think we should wrap it. I think this may have been one of our best episodes in the last week. And (laughs) it's um, definitely the best one I recorded today. Yeah, for sure. Feels appropriate. As always, wise, that was good for a this will come out the day after Easter. 
Yes. Look at you hitting Look all the resurrection go. talk. Come on, man. We're both preaching on Easter, too. It's You're true. at uh, Vox OC in uh, California. I'll be here in uh, Tennessee. We're largely and, doing uh, the same message. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. For letting me borrow your work. <laughs> it'll be, no, it'll be so different coming from you. Oh, yeah. No, I'm excited. I went through it yesterday and rearranged stuff and wrote some things down. That's the, the blank sheet's the worst part. Just it going, is. oh, it's Easter. It's a little daunting. And we've, it is totally daunting. I used to have a, a tribe of, when I was a young pastor, we would all lament on how, like, much we didn't like preaching on Easter. Oh, I'm sure. Because it was like, there are only so many ways you can creatively tell the story. And then everyone shows up with their friends going, hey, save my friends. Yeah, nail it. (laughs) You're like, hmm. Well, I think we can take that off the plate. So, so like there was even a, a, a tweet this week. Hey, pastors, it's a big week. Right. So make sure you take care of yourselves. And I, just, I, and I, I don't, you know, I have better things to do. But in my head, I thought, that's so dumb. It's not a bigger <laughs> week than any other week. Yeah. What are you talking about? Right? Yeah. Come on, man. The whole for life a, is built around. For a uh, um, holiday that was named after a pagan goddess of fertility. I've heard that disputed, Tim, <laughs> by reputable biblical scholars. Oh, yeah. So I didn't jump on your Easter's a pagan holiday thread. What about the bunny rabbits? Out there. The rabbits. What about the eggs? All right. Till next time, friends. <laughs> Love you guys. Throw Thanks. away your peeps. <laughs>Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this conversation. Voxology is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is supported by listeners just like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at patreon.com backslash voxology. You can also Join the community and hang out and chat with us on the socials. Facebook.com backslash Voxology Podcast and on Instagram at Voxology. Thank you, thank you, thank you for walking the long road with us.